What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to an episode here of the podcast version of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. If you want to hear the live versions, make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. On the program now, Mr. John Povey over in the UK. Let's find out where he is today. Keyboardist of the Pretty Things going all the way back to the Rolling Stones era. What's up, everybody? Palangi Studio of Rock here, only on Radio Wigwam. Today we got keyboard extraordinaire and a legendary, legendary band here. I checked these guys out. They go back to the early 60s. John, what's going on, man? We got John Povey in the building. I'm very happy to be here. How's it going? Um, Where you are right now? Where you at? I live in Spain. I live in southern Spain. I've lived here for about well, 15 or 16 years now. So uh, I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately. it's it's oh, okay. uh, goes in one ear and comes out the other, I'm afraid. So there you go. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I kind of understand French a little bit, but Spanish, I'm, I'm lost. Uh-huh. Just too okay. fast. Too yeah, fast. really. You're right there. So you've been in a band, uh, The Pretty Things, I hear. I, 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 I'm like, I'm going to talk to like, the guy from Rolling Stones here. Your, your <laughs> band was chart-topping. Um, the debut or the big album there was Parachute that you're talking yeah. about. Are you actually redoing that now? Is that what you're doing? Re- redone that. that. That's redone and okay. is out. That's on Renaissance Record, which is a, an American company based in Phoenix, I think. Okay. So they've got it out. And we've, re- we've remade it with the uh, four of the guys who were on it. The only person who wasn't on it, who was on the original, was Phil. And Phil declined at the time. And unfortunately, since that time, he's now passed away. So Yeah, I read um, that. You yeah. Have a, you have a new singer? Somebody's singing? No, no, we're not. I think, I think it all ended with that, really. Oh, I mean, okay. it was the creativity was very important in the 60s. Well, it still is all the way through, but it was very important to bands of that era uh, to come up with different things. And Phil was the great sort of instigator of all those ideas, really. Yeah, the mastermind. So, yeah, so that's that's where it went. And unfortunately, we decided we did a nice concert at the O2 in London uh, in three years ago now, but uh, we did that as a final with David Gilmore from The Floyd Van Morrison came and did a couple of numbers as well. So it was a fitting end to many, many decades of, you know, great music and times and adventures and all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah, I'm sure you have so many stories that (laughs) we could be here for four or five hours. (laughs) Yeah, really easily. I do want to bring up, I I read, according to Wikipedia, that you guys were banned from New Zealand for some reason when you started out. Is that true? No, that's that's wrong. I mean, it's okay. kind of a mix, mixed up metaphors, really, because uh, we went to New Zealand uh, in the 60s and caused mayhem. Okay. And, and so much so that we were banned from ever playing in Australia as well <laughs> at the same time. And oh, the, wow. the bass player, one of the original guys <laughs> in the bass player, John Stacks, went to live in Australia. So that's probably... Okay. Where that's come from, I expect. Okay. Who have you guys opened up for? Just throw some names out there. Um, well, we've played with so many, really. I mean, we've played with the Pink Floyd quite a few times. Um, 
Small Faces, Van Morrison, um, some of the American bands as well. Um, let's think, uh, not Spring. We were quite close with um, Bruce Springsteen's guitar player. We did some stuff with him in New York. Okay. Um, round the corner from where you are, I expect, um, in a village somewhere. Um, and um, we did the Kinks. We did ELO. We did. Yeah. We've done lots of things like that all over the place. We toured America in in the seventies twice when we were signed with Led Zeppelin. We were signed with, on the Swan Song label with Jimmy and Robert. I read and that. We would, I read that. We were due to play a, a big concert with them um, with Joe Walsh, and unfortunately, what happened was that. Robert was in Greece and had a car crash. Oh, and yeah. That killed that gig. I think it would have made a big difference to the pretty things in America had yeah. we played that one because it was 100,000, 120,000 seater. We played yeah. at the Isle of Wight Festival in 1970 with The Who, Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, uh, and all that, you know, and there was 150,000 people at that gig. Wow. So, well, what's, yeah, we've, what's that like we, being on stage? They say you can feel the wave, like if we yell, it, you can feel it. Well, we played at three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And it was a beautiful day. Um, but it was very strange to walk out on stage and just see that sea of faces going as back as far as you could. Yeah. And then when you finish the number, finish the song, the uh, you get the first sort of, hundred people, hundred rows, if you like, clapping. Uh, yeah. And then it would go back and 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 back. Wow. So it's almost like an echo effect on stage. It was I never really thought strange. of that. Where it's, it's yeah. very strange to reach, but and it was in the days before kind of pyrotechnics and and lots of sort of video effects and all that yeah. sort of well, stuff. Well, focus was on the music. Yeah, not, yeah. not all It was about what you were playing, stuff. really, you know. Yeah. Do you play yourself? Are you a player? I do, yeah. I've been a rock artist for, uh, well, since before 2010. So I've been releasing music since then. You look you look too young and there's no lines on your face. What's going <laughs> I live a very clean life, as I tell everybody. <laughs> no drama, no stress. <laughs> oh, yeah, you look music. like that, actually. You look, you look very kind of unstressed guy, you know, very laid back. It's cool. Yeah. I'm actually in my early, early thirties now and people can't wow. believe it. They're that like, oh the eh? my God, you're yeah. almost finished. You're almost finished. <laughs> no way, man. I'm just starting. <laughs> Good lad. Good Especially since COVID, you know, it's, it's three years of absolutely like nothing. I know it's really been weird. Been I feel very like weird. Everything's just restarting for me. I teach guitar lessons, and we we got the studio back up and and certain things. So I'm. It's almost like restarting all over again. It's so it's so weird. You know, at the same time. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've been working on a solo album and a book uh, for the last couple of years, and um, I managed to do some recording before COVID started in the UK. Yeah, and then I took the songs back to hear and I've been working I work on a computer like a lot of people do with Pro Tools yeah. and um, and then I kind of got into a mixing stage now so I'm hoping to get that out this year as well but who knows little plug for me there but I don't know it depends on a lot of factors you know the, 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 the music business is not what it was 20 years ago I mean it's yeah. just changed out of all recognition really it's very difficult to get um 
get something away. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I'm very confident that it'll happen. But you know, it's uh, it's a, not an easy ride, and I feel for young guys like you who have the talent, who have the ideas. But in our day, if you had ideas and you were halfway looking cool, then you could get away. I mean, you could get on a tour. Yeah, yeah. You could get on the TV. You, you send them. Um, you yeah. song to the radio and they'd pick it up and all of a sudden, you know, there'd be 10 radio stations playing it or there's like this, yeah, this effect. Nowadays, it's not anything like no, that. No, it's, it's very difficult. You can't get played on FM at all. I barely can can get on a local show. It's it's so, I, I don't know. And I blame it on the industry. You know, I it's, it's changed so much and I think they just kind of let it go in a direction that's, I don't know, you know, there's no CDs anymore, that kind of stuff. It's tough. Yeah, it's 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 very strange. I mean, I suppose it's economically driven, but I mean, it's it's not easy if you've got you know if you've got a lot of talent and you're crying out for that those ideas to be heard by somebody else apart from your next door neighbour. Yeah. You know, you haven't got, you haven't got a chance really at the moment. Yeah. And I feel I think that's really you know there's it's kind of a, a a suppression on creativity. Really, it's a shame. It really is a shame. Because I'm sure there must be some really good players out there, very good singers out there who never get a chance to actually get it out. You know, it's. Uh, I hear it's, it. I hear it from yeah, these social submissions. I wish, it, I wish it was different for you. I really do. Well, well, it's someday. I think someday it will change if if we can get back a physical product again to something to sell, something that people can look at and it's in their hands and. You know, I don't know, but it's, it, I think, you know, like back with the albums, you look at the albums, you look at the pictures, you didn't know a lot of the bands. So you you had more creativity of like, I think this band uh, probably does this or, you know, a lot of things go through your mind. And like, I'm a big fan of Metallica. So I was always like, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what they were like. See, now you could watch 80 million videos and know exactly what they're like. Sure. But growing up, I was just like that. I was just going off the vibe and the energy and the pictures on the album and uh, live DVDs because that's all we had. Sure, we didn't. We didn't have YouTube. Was like very, very, uh, the very start of everything. Sure, but but um, I think it's sort of taken it. I mean, in if you if you if you just got the album, and our day we the album the, getting the vinyl saving up the money for it and then going down the shops before we started playing really yeah uh, was it was it was so inspiring because it, it was all in the imagination and when you put the radio when you put the record on the player you could just close your eyes there was no headphones or anything like that really oh, so okay. i mean you, there's nothing no no nothing like that to really enhance those those moments but when you played it and you could you know use your imagination it's like reading a book you know, when you sit there and read a book, you're concentrating on the book, and you've got the, all the the characters and the faces and the and the adventures all in your head. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, all that's taken away because, like you say, there's 85 million videos, <laughs> and, and it, yeah. it just takes any any kind of imagination away from it, really. Yeah. And I think yep. that that's that really puts the the lid on a lot of creativity for a lot of young people too, you know, really, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's different pressure. It's, it's weird. Cause it's like, uh, oh yeah, release a song and they could say like, oh yeah, got a hundred thousand streams. They're like, okay, well 
What's next? It's just, yeah, it's, really. you know, I don't know. They don't, they don't value what, what's, what's out, you know? I don't well, know. I think people don't really get it. I mean, a lot of, I get, I'm on Facebook, obviously. So, I mean, I like you and I get a lot of people say, well, what was it like? And all that. So, well, it wasn't like anything really. I mean, it was just, you just had an idea and, you could you could throw that idea out into the street and then somebody will pick it up yeah and yeah. and it would it would snowball from then you know y- or yep. you would go down to i mean I'm going way way back now in the in the very very old days when we all started uh to the there was a place called the railway hotel in a place called Dartford in Kent which was by the station at Dartford nothing okay. very spectacular there was a little room at the back of the dark, the railway hotel, which was a pub, and yeah. so you all the all the wannabes and all the guys who wanted to be in a band would go there on a Friday night, pay I don't know one shilling in those days, which was I don't know it was <laughs> a half a cent or something. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, real. And would real stand cheap. there and watch like five bands play for about yeah. four hours. Wow! And that's how you cut your teeth, and that's how you kind of learnt your craft you yep. know you were watching paying these your people. dues i think we call it over here too you gotta yeah. pay your dues. but it was yep. exciting because you know you could share it and there was nobody sort of there was no sort of guy smoking a cigar waiting around the corner to grab <laughs> you you know and, <laughs> yeah. and exploit you you know it yeah. wasn't like that it yeah. was very innocent yeah and there's so much great music came out of that which inspires guys like you today to carry on because it must be the sixties must be the most important time. I do Creative. because I, I'm actually I was sick in uh I'm going for my rock certification on guitar in Berkeley in uh in Massachusetts in New York. Well good here. luck for that. It's it's tough. It's tough. It's a lot of hours. But I was gonna say all the music that we're learning is all from from your era in the seventies and it's all not that anything past the eighties is isn't worthy of, of learning. No, no, of course not. But it's a foundation of classic rock. That's that's when it started, you know, and that's... I just think it's more real. I mean, it's just more real. And, techniques, and even people 30 years later still can pick up the realness of it. Yes. They understand the the kind of, you know, that, that reality of it rather than... I think as it got on a bit, as the... You know, we, 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 we had a couple of, uh, of very good albums, SF Sorrow and Parachute. Yeah, I was going to mention sorrow with the the story yeah. element. When you when you say it's a story, yeah. you actually told part of stories on stage. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, within two years, they, the 68, 1968 and seventy, and then what happened was the the over because there was more money and, and bands would be able be able to do or spend more time in the studio. They got rather overindulgent, and so you would go into the seventies and towards the end of the seventies. Yeah. You get these long sort of diatribes of of music going on for hours and hours and hours, and of course and the, people got extremely bored with that, you know. Really, yeah. And the people were on drugs and all that kind of stuff too. So drugs, was... what's that? <laughs> <laughs> you remember asp- those aspirin and things like that? <laughs> as, yeah. as I've heard, I do want to bring up. So most of your Please stuff was recorded in the legendary Abbey Road studio, which I've heard yeah. all yeah. about, and I'm a a gearhead here. So what was it like recording there? Well, once again, it was, it was sort of like when you were touring, you would always run into bands 
four o'clock in the morning somewhere on a motorway, yeah. on a freeway somewhere, and you would run into the Stones or you would run into all these other bands around the Kinks or whatever, you know, run into all those bands. And playing, doing the same thing in Abbey Road, um, first of all, the important thing to say is that the the record company, which was EMI at the time, which is now defunct. Yeah, I remember um, them. They would have people like Norman Smith for the Pretty Things. They would have George Martin for the Beatles, Norman Smith for Pink Floyd. And these guys were 10 years, 12, 15 years older than us. And they oh, okay. had a jazz, they had they had a jazz background. So they were very good with music. Okay. They would under, they understood chords, they understood progressions, they understood all so that. So there were sort of studio stuff. guys that were Yeah, but they were but they they realized very early on that what was going on with the younger guys and and the younger guys who were coming in, like the Beatles, like a lot of Liverpool bands at the time, and and the Floyd and people like that were quite good. I mean, quite creative, but only limited in the terms of the way they could put chords together or make progressions together or changes in a song. Yeah. So when you yep. went into Ian, when you went into Abbey Road, first of all, it was like walking into a sweet shop where you've got <laughs> all these wonderful yeah. things to eat and drink because oh, they had okay. all the Hammonds and and Bosendorfer Steinway pianos and harpsichords <laughs> and the whole place was full up with all this stuff and you go, oh, my God, look at this. Ding, ling, 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 and play a little ding, <laughs> This ding, sounds ling, perfect. And, <laughs> and this sounds great, you know. Yeah. But then you had the these guys like George Martin and Norman who would steer you very, very cleverly to make it think that a lot of it was your idea. Oh, okay. Um, they wouldn't sort of say, oh, no, you've got to do that, or no, you can't do this. They would say, yeah, I like that. Let's. How about trying to go to A minor or D minor 7 or something like that. What's the D minor 7? Well, it's this. Oh, okay, right. Like, yeah, so okay. We, were, we were on a great learning curve. It was going back to school for us. That's what producers should do. You know, it shouldn't just be, oh, I'm going to mix like, the music and here you go. See you later. It, no, it was like, it was really good. I mean, it was, it was lovely to be in that creative bubble. Yeah. And then, of course, we were working at the time when we did when we did Parachute, we were doing, and SSR, we were doing, the Beatles were there, Pink Floyd was in this, in another studio. And, of course, you've got George, I'm not name-dropping, I hate that, but I've got George and Ringo coming in to listen to what we're doing. You know, we weren't allowed to go into Studio One when McCartney and Lennon were doing their sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, we weren't allowed to do that. But we we were allowed to, we, we were allowed to let people into us, you know, so yeah, that was cool. yeah. That's neat. We use we use Ringo's snare. Don't tell Ringo whatever you do if you interview him. But we use <laughs> we use Ringo's snare drum on a on a track because a lot of their stuff was in a cupboard in our studio and they didn't know. We saw Ringo. <laughs> we couldn't understand how Ringo got such an amazing how they got an amazing drum kit. Sound. Okay, yeah, that sound. Yeah, yep. well, we opened the door of this little room and there was his kit, his Ludwig kit. And it was twice the size of any Ludwig kit I've ah, ever seen. Okay, okay. So that's how they did it. Yeah, they had a huge boom. bass drum. Oh, it was yeah. You know, at least a third bigger wow. than, than a normal kit. So the ah, we said, right, lads, the secret's out. But we never told anybody. I'm only telling Grand you snare. because it was like seven hundred <laughs> years later. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll have yeah, to. So there you go. If I ever do a Ringo request, I'll be like, now this guy said they used the snare. Yeah. <laughs> you never knew, Ringo. Yeah. No, it's In the uh, same it was studio. A great place to work. It was very, very creative. Um, in those days, of course, we had lots of time. And because studio time wasn't expensive. And although we, I think we spent six months doing SF Sorrow. I, I can imagine. Unheard of. Yeah. These days, you've got to go in there within a couple of weeks and get it all down. Otherwise, you, you're Hours. in serious Hour, Days. <laughs> I tell, you know, it's, I did three songs within a week. Realistically, now I'd probably have to do five songs within a week or something like that. Yeah, One a day, pretty much. It's a know? shame because we would, going back to that, we would take just the, we purposely, once we understood where we were and what, what it could do for us, we purposely then only had a very rough, basic idea of a song. We wouldn't come okay. in with a finished song. So it would be, it, it becomes, the band will get together. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's now, it's very much of, you got to have the structure. Everything's there. You're just there to record the idea. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, I think that's Which the is, difference, to be honest with you, looking at it still, the difference between then and now is that you had time yeah, and you didn't yeah. have to worry about it. So you could create the song in the studio and then put it down straight away. And and you, I think they sound like that as well. The songs sound as though yeah. it's a band playing it rather than a load of guys playing different instruments. Yep. That's the difference for me. Yep. And the parts are so fine tuned that they're professional after, you know, 30 years of playing the song. It's, yeah. we've only played this maybe twice. Exactly. And you can hear the raw talent come out. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it had that sort of, like you say, it has that air of, of new, newness about it for you yeah. as well. It's fresh. For all of you, you know. So I try yeah. to do that in, the, in what I'm doing in the digital world. I try not to like say rehearse the song 20 times or something like that. And then finally lay down a guitar part. It's, it's pretty much, you know, maybe once two times or something like that. And, and then finally do the actual thing. You know what I mean? I think you have to leave it. I think you, it's nice to have that ability to be able to let it kind of evolve a little bit, you know, but evolve with all of you. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, on the show too, I like to talk about the audio stuff. And I, when I have people over, I always tell them too, don't be, if don't be stuck on that chord, just because it's like you said, D minor, whatever it is, something else might be really cool in, in the place of it. And don't kind of pigeonhole yourself in something that, that could hurt your idea, you know, just try it, go with it, see where it goes, evolve with it. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. find this too, for me, I mean, I'm not being critical because we live in different worlds and we've, we've gone, some of us have gone through much more of the world. Some of us are just starting out, but I yeah. find that with, with a lot of stuff that um, it's kind of, people send me stuff. Would, would I tell, would I tell them what I, what I think, you know, and I'm a kind guy. I'm not, I'm not a horrible bloke, you know, so I, <laughs> I try and be constructive. Yeah. And so, well, look, there's no, the dynamic's gone. You, there's, where's the, I can't, A, I can't really hear the lyrics. So what's the point? You kind of get caught in the technology rather. I mean, the technology is amazing. I mean, I, yeah. oh, I yeah. record, we recorded Parachute Revisited, this album that we've got out now. And, and that was all done on Pro Tools and mixed on Pro Tools. It's amazing. 
I mean, you've got the world at your fingertips. You can sit down there with a, a MIDI keyboard and you've yeah. got the world and it's yeah. instant yeah. and yeah. it's fantastic. But you can get reliant on that too much. You become reliant on the technique. The technology becomes mm. begins to overshadow the Too many options. The tune, the yeah. tune itself. Yeah. And to me, in our day, we were always told by all the managers, whoever, whoever manages from I mean, make sure it's a strong song. If it's a strong song, everything else is easy. Yeah. If it's yeah. a kind of rough idea, it doesn't sound that great, but you want to make it sound great with all the technology. It's not, doesn't have the, it won't last. Yeah. Yep. Comes out sterile. Like I know you're talking there you about. Yeah. There you go. So you, uh, I was going to say, I, all the bands that you've said you recorded and played with and stuff, I can hear that all in your music. And I was going to bring that up because I wrote down all these different bands and you've said almost all of them. <laughs> the only, the only one was The Doors. I don't know if you ever were kind of like them or... No, I watched know. them. Okay. Uh, we, we used to play at a, a place in London in the 60s called The Roundhouse. Okay. And The Roundhouse was in a place called Chalk Farm in North London. And it would open on a Sunday only, and it would open up at 11 o'clock in the morning, and it would go right the way through to 11 o'clock at night. And they had all the bands, all, a lot of American bands there, okay. the Birds, The Doors, for instance, came in and played there. And we used to go, because it was you could, you could go through the door, you could take off your clothes if you wanted to, you could run around with a joystick <laughs> or, or, you know, you could do anything like that yeah. and nobody would care. Yeah. And it was one of those kind of places. So I watched The Doors. I'm a great fan of of um, the writing of Jim Morris. I thought he was an amazing writer. Yeah. And amazing keyboard player as well. I mean, I thought he was absolutely, at the time, although not too many people, I think, appreciated how good he was. You know, he did a lot of the bass part a lot of the bass parts on his with his feet and he would play uh the keyboard as well as doing the bass the bass sections with his feet he was very talented mm. guy. is he still alive or is he gone i think he's gone i think it was a couple of years ago oh that's a shame he yeah Zelensky. what was his name Zelensky. Zelensky. No, I, I, I believe so because i i seen an interview with him i think this was 2018 so somewhere around there and as soon as he did that i i heard something something happened afterwards oh, so. shame because they they were great there was some lovely keyboard stuff on that he was stuff. really really because he's like we Ooh. didn't have a, we didn't have a bass player so i didn't know that so he no, played both parts no. at the same time <laughs> They didn't really even have a guitar player for a lot of songs. I was like, the drummer and a singer and a keyboardist. I was like, how do you do that? Well, I think the the emptiness of their records was the key to their success, to be honest with you. It wasn't filled up with a dozen acoustics being played. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and 14 lead guitarists playing away. It wasn't even on time, a lot of stuff. There was a space and he'd hear like him shout. You know what I mean? And then it goes into something. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's changed. Changed now. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. He, the well, songwriting was so good. I mean, Light My Fire must be one of the classics of all time as a song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, really. That's it's very catchy. Yeah. Yep. So we saw them at, at the Roundhouse and amongst others, and it was uh, the best place to see them because it just fitted in with the moment. Yeah. Where we were, where where yeah. you know where we were really, 
it's funny because a lot of people say like when they're writing their the hit songs, the ones that we all know now, they were they weren't even thinking about that. Some of them they're no, like well, that was going to be the last song on the the record, or wasn't even going to make it. You know? Exactly. Because I, I remember go, him saying something about that, and he's like, "Riders on the storm," and he's like. <laughs> This is like, this is terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really? <laughs> some old, old interview. And I was like, he goes, you just never know or something. You know, he's sitting back. Well, that's, and you just never know. Well, that's my point about the creativity of, of places like Abbey Road, where you were allowed as a as a band to, you know, to find your way through the song, really, and to, and to make yeah. it work. Yeah. Which you don't get, like you, like you rightly say, you get a few hours to... I think what you do these days is you you rehearse it till it's kind of dead, really, and then you go in and record it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make sure everything's all together. Yeah, you squeeze the life out of it, I think, and then you go and record it, which is where we 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 never did that. I mean, and I think that's a, like like you rightly say that's the difference with between then and now. But then was a very different time. There was no mobile phones. There was no computers. Oh yeah. If you wanted, if you wanted to rec- uh, call your girlfriend, you had to stand in the freezing cold by a phone, <laughs> phone box and wait for this guy to come out who'd been on his phone. This the Superman telephone booth. Well, that's, that's it. It was like that. But oh. in a way, you valued those. For me, and I, I know I'm much older and I've been through all that, but I mean, it's just that you kind of valued it more because you had to really try. You know, for instance, when you were playing live on stage, there was nothing to support you. There was just really crummy PA and maybe yeah, a couple of Yeah, the sound systems weren't like, that great back then. No, like, I can say that. They might have been huge. You're like, well, oh, they were huge, but they didn't really sound no, good. No, it didn't sound that great. Yeah. So you had, and there were no lasers or anything like that, and no videos. Yeah. Screen. There was smoke though. There's fog and real smoke. Yeah, you had a, you had a, uh, what was it? What was that thing we used to use? Uh, a strobe light. Yeah. Yep. You ever seen those. a strobe light? Yeah. Yep. So we had that, but that was it. Uh, and so you had to play. <laughs> you just had to play to get the audience to like it and to get off on it. You, you had to actually deliver something from the stage. Yeah. You couldn't rely on all these cameras and stuff and lights and lasers flicking on and off, you know. That's yeah. That's a difference. And you probably you have to feel like you're polished. You got to feel like you're on your game every time. There's like you're saying there's no spot of just kind of having fun and exploring and 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 doing kind of your own thing, you know. And I think like and even the bands like I listen to I don't know if you know a lot of these but like Creed and and Godsmack, like some of the 90s hard rock kind of bands. Their first records were very raw and then they get really polished and and the and the numbers go down. Not that it's not bad, you know, it's not bad or anything. It's just we like that. Wow, this this sounds real. This sounds raw. Yeah, I think you this lose sounds... you lose that kind of core of it. I think. Yeah, and yep. you can understand why it does get polished because somebody says your manager says, "Well, guys, you know, it's got a for you and the record company. You got to want to polish so you know so you yeah." You've kind of lost that control that you had over it, really. Yeah. So we got a few minutes here. I want to thank everybody okay. for tuning in here on the audio side and on the video side. Hello. We're on uh, YouTube and all the other platforms going on. 
We will be by the time you see this. I appreciate <laughs> you having on here. I love these old stories and stuff like if to me because I I was you know that was way before my time. But I'm I'm very old school and I, I like I don't text all the time and that kind of stuff. I, I know technology, but I just I wish I could have gr- uh, grown up. I don't even in the 80s or something like that. And I feel like I've I would have been way farther than I am now or just got along with everybody better. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> but I'm just, sure I'm sure you're right that the cap the cap has kind of been put on your head. This is yeah. the cap you've got to wear. But I mean, sometime along the line, as you get a bit older, you can take that cap off and throw it in the bin and and put your own cap on. I think that will happen, like you say. I think there's yeah. a moment that this will change. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Everyone out there, don't get discouraged either. I, I know we play no, a lot of indie, we play a lot going, of indie yeah. artists. And uh I mean we'll play you guys all the time and, and keep it's important though for you guys out there to know you you have to keep pushing. You know, sometimes you gotta remind all of us to to do things because there's a lot of things going on. That's no, I think, one of the main things. I think things. it's a shame that that it's more difficult for you. It was not that the finding the songs is never easy, but we once we've found the songs, we could then easily share them with somebody else. These days it's not yeah. so easy. Yeah. So but out of that, all I can say is that out of that will become the harder it, it is initially, the more worthwhile, once it does break, the more worthwhile it is anyway because you put that effort into it. Yep, you and, get that and pay I off. Do, all those young guys out there who are sitting there with their cords, don't be frightened. Do whatever comes into your head. Put it down. We always found that the first cut or the first take of something lyrically and also in terms of a of, of a lyric line was always the best so we would okay. always record even if it was just on a little tiny recorder we would just get that idea down yeah. you could change the lyrics and everything later on but sometimes that first pass is the best yes so i know, I know what you're talking mind, about guys, yep first pass is the best Yep. From John Povey. <laughs> there you go. Before we go, one thing I wanted to ask you is keyboard wise, what are you what are you using for models and stuff as of right now? We have about four minutes. What you mean as players? Yeah, as players. What do you I play right never, now? I have to say I was never really one of those players who was a kind of virtuoso player. Okay. Um I I would Love to listen to some of the keyboard stuff that George Martin played on the Beatles recordings. Um, and I was really more of an arranger keyboard player okay, uh, than a kind of guy who wants to play like a, a fantastic keyboard solo somewhere. So although I'd listened to um, Green Onions when we, we sort of cut our teeth on the old Green Onions record, uh, which was an amazing... Um, uh amazing sounding organ Hammond but never yeah. really we never used the Hammond really that much on stage uh we would use uh earlier on we used some old sort of Vox Continental thing which screeched and made terrible noises but we liked it yeah yeah fit it <laughs> well I was gonna say your music has more of a even though it's in that era it has early hard rock roots like I'm hearing certain phrases and stuff in there that remind me like Judas Priest or or uh something a little bit that they would do in, in that realm of like the miners and stuff. And I was like, that's neat. Cause I never heard that in Led Zeppelin, but I, I did hear that in a lot of your live stuff in the seventies when there's some of the videos I watched. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was blues originally. I mean, the, like all these, all the white bands out of, out of the UK were blues. The ones yeah. who wanted to be was blues orientated. Yeah. And Dick Taylor uh, was a great blues advocate along with, I mean, they all went to school together anyway, Keith Richard and Dick and Jagger, they all went to the same school. But David Bowie was two years earlier, but he always went to the same school as well. So there was a lot of sharing went on. There was no, no egos really left. At, all, yeah. all egos were left at the door. Yeah. And it was there was a kind of collective love of blues music. But then, you know, I was changed as a classical piano, so classical pianist. So we would add then that we would kind of add those bits yeah. into the blues, really. And that's how it really came about, really. Yeah, you do know. your own thing out there. Well, I appreciate so much for you being on this show here. I, no, this thanks, is always Frank, awesome. I wish we had I more really, time. Zoom does this 40-minute thing now, so it's, I'm like, ah, oh, they're going to cut well, me right off. <laughs> any other time you want to chat, any time you want to chat about anything, you can always do it with me. I've got no problem at all. As long as I'm still breathing, it's all right. cool. All right, we'll do, we'll do a follow-up <laughs> here with some stuff. All right. I appreciate it. Everybody out there, only here on Radio Wigwam, we are streaming. And make sure you see this on YouTube, all the other platforms. We're live Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time and 8 p.m. UK time. I'm not sure in Spain what what time that is, if it's similar or not. An hour hour on, one hour further. Okay. But when you're in the UK, I was going to say, there's a lot of bands in the UK. They start with the word the at that point. I don't know if that was just a popular thing to do, but there's a lot of thes out there. So I want to see some new the bands. There you go. You got it. And Wigwam is a very cool, very cool show. And thanks very much for putting me on. Anytime, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, so much. I will talk to you all soon. God bless. See you later. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast version here of Palangi's Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. Catch the live shows every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Chime in on our social medias and make sure you see any of these video repeat podcasts on YouTube and go to frankpalangi.com. Appreciate it. Hope you guys come back and I will see you soon.